First Christian Church of Chiefland brings you the good news. And now, Tom Show. I'd like to preach a sermon this morning I've entitled, How to Treat Your Mama. As I said earlier, happy Mother's Day to you moms. But I thought about that this morning. I saw uh, something someone wrote, sent this morning. I had, I received uh, text messages on Sunday morning from many different preachers who were on a group encouraging the pre each preacher of their preaching uh, each Sunday and that they're praying. We're praying for each other. And one of the preachers uh, said something that got me thinking, so I'd like to just kind of convey that thought as I thought about this morning. Many times when we say Happy Mother's Day, we're saying it to moms who've had children. But I got to think about that. Moms who have children, sure, they should be honored. But perhaps there are moms who are now, their children have gone on, passed on. But that doesn't mean Mother's Day is any less important for those moms. And they should be honored just as well. Or perhaps some who never have had the opportunity to be a mother physically and never able to carry a child or give birth to a child doesn't mean they haven't been an influence on many just as their own mother, a mother would be. So for you ladies that might fit that bill, happy Mother's Day. You see, moms can come in all shapes and sizes and walks of life, can't he? And we might not always think oh, to recognize moms in that way, but maybe we should start thinking about that. If nothing else, you're the daughter of a mom, aren't you? <laughs> or a son of a mom. So happy Mother's Day. I don't know, I don't remember who it was who came up with Mother's Day to honor moms on the second Sunday of May but I think it was a pretty good idea to honor mothers as the preacher was in the foyer in the morning greeting the worshipers he saw two close friends Jim and Iris and he said to Jim happy Mother's Day to which Jim replied I guess it really doesn't apply to me I'm not a mother and then he paused and said, well, I guess you could say I'm the reason she's a mother. In years gone by, I've always thought there are really two sermons I preach each year that can be said that sermon doesn't apply to everyone here. Mother's Day and Father's Day. But as Christians, God's word is not just there for us. It's there for us to use to help others. So if you think this sermon isn't for you this morning, consider how this message can help you be a better Christian. Or how you can use it to help others in their walk with God. But we're not going to have that problem today because this sermon is for all of us. Because we are all children to someone. In Exodus chapter 20, verses, verse, verse 12, we are told by God... In the Ten Commandments, honor your father and your mother 
that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. Paul goes on in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 and 3 to say these words. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. Proverbs is known for being the book of wisdom, right? Today, I want to preach a sermon from that book of wisdom. And I'm entitled today's sermon, How to Treat Your Mama. And if we want to put it in there, let's say a word to the wise on how to treat your mama. And here in the book of Proverbs, I'd like to read from chapter 23, verse 25. Chapter 23, verse 25 says this. Let your father and your mother be glad, and let her who bore you rejoice. A godly woman is worthy of honor and respect, but Proverbs recognizes that some kids don't do that. Why should a child honor their parent, and how can they do it as a Christian ought to do it? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this morning, as we begin this sermon, I pray that we'll understand something about how to uh, treat our mothers. I can't help but think, Lord, it's not just the woman who gave birth to me. Because over the years, I believe I've had numerous mothers. I think of my best friend in high school and how much time I spent at his house and how his mom became like a mother to me. I think about such a dear friend when I first came to the church whose name was Papa John and his dear wife, Miss Elaine, and how she became like a mother to me. And there are other ladies who I've known, Lord, who were like dear mothers to me because of the things they taught me, how they treated me and took care of me how they were always ready to listen. So I thank you, Lord, for the many mothers I've had in my life. And I pray, Lord, today that we'll recognize the one true thing about mothers is that Jesus had his own dear mother. Jesus taught us a lot about mothers. Regardless, O Lord, what kind of mother they have been, pray today, as Christian children, that we'll recognize some important facts, not just about how to treat our mothers, but how to treat one another. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I was reading about a man who, a man who told about the influence his mother had on him. And he said that his mom had taught him many things about life. He said, my mother taught me religion. She would say, you better pray that comes out of the carpet. My mother taught me medicine. When she said, if you don't stop crossing your eyes, they're going to freeze that way. My mother taught me contortionism. Would you look at the dirt on the back of your neck? 
You know what? That makes me, my mom would say that, and I'd go to the mirror, and I still couldn't see the back of my neck. My mother taught me about genetics. You are just like your father. Interesting thoughts. Well, you know, the book of Proverbs tells us that mothers have much to teach us about life. Two separate times in Proverbs, Solomon tells his son almost the same thing. In Proverbs chapter 1, verse 8, he wrote, My son, hear the instruction of your father and do not forsake the law of your mother. Proverbs 6.20 says, My son, keep your father's command and do not forsake the law of your mother. Now I couldn't always, I mean, I couldn't help but think the times that I forsook the law of my mother. I'd get one on the place that God intended me to get one, and that was swat on the backside. And then always followed up by those dreaded words, almost like from, from Proverbs. Wait till your father gets home. And I never said this, but I thought at times, can't we just get it over all at once and forget about when dad comes home? It never seemed to work that way. And then when dad came home, I was always trying to hide somewhere. Never worked. Dad always found me. That made it worse. Then dad would say, son, go out there and find me a switch. We had a big willow tree in the backyard. With plenty of switches on the ground. You better not find one too small. Or he'd be angry and send you back for another one. Or he would go get his own. Which gave him even more time to think about it. And you better not come back with one the size of a fishing pole. Because that didn't satisfy him either. You better come back with the size of the right one. But you know what those... Corrections taught me I better be taking care of mom's law. What mom says is what mom means. Proverbs even gives us an example of a king who learned from his mother. Proverbs 31.1 reads, The words of King Lemuel, the utterance which his mother taught him. Down through history, many of our nation's greatest leaders have said that their mothers had been responsible for their success in life. See if you recognize any of these people. Did you ever hear of George Washington? Maybe, it, maybe one or two of you have. He said, my mother was the most beautiful woman I ever saw. All I am, I owe to my mother. I attribute all my success in life to the moral, intellectual, and physical education I received from her. Andrew Jackson said, of his mother. There never was a woman like her. She was gentle as a dove and brave as a lioness. The memory of my mother and her teachings were after all the only capital I had to start life with and on that capital I have made my way. Abraham Lincoln said, I remember my mother's prayers and they have always followed me. They have clung to me all my life. And then Ronald Reagan stated, from my mother I learned the value of prayer, how to have dreams and believe I could make them come true. And I could list quote after quote from great men and women who have told how important their mother's love and prayers had to them. 
It's a wonderful thing to have a loving, godly mother. In fact, God has given us a few examples of some godly mothers in Scripture. For example, there's Sarah. She's a woman who had to watch as Abraham obeyed God and took Isaac to the mountain to sacrifice their only boy. Talk about, you know, I know we're not supposed to worry, but talk about a mother's worry. You just let your husband take your only son off to the mountain and tell him, I'm going to sacrifice our son. Oh, good. Well, have a good time, honey. I'll see you when you get back. Imagine those few days for Sarah. Yet Peter told the women in the early church that she, they should be as an example like Sarah. In 1 Peter 3, 6, he said, Whose daughters you are if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. And then God tells us about Jochebed. Who was Jochebed? That was the mother of Moses. She knew that Pharaoh had demanded the death of every Israelite boy born in Egypt. So Jochebed hid her son as long as it was possible. And then she set him adrift in a handmade ark and had his sister Miriam watch nearby to see what God would do. And she was a woman who expected God to protect her son. This was a mother who trusted God with her boy's life. And then one of my favorites, it was Hannah. She was childless, she wept before God in shame. And she promised God that if he gave her a son, she would then give that boy back to God to serve him for the rest of his life. And God answered her prayer. She named her son Samuel, and he became one of the greatest prophets in all the Old Testament. And think of some of the things these women had in common. These mothers all prayed to God for their children. These mothers all trusted God to protect their children. These mothers all taught their children about God. And these mothers all gave their children to God for Him to use them for His purposes. These were all great women of faith. And in Proverbs, God tells us that all, the, all of our mothers have something to teach us about life. Things that God wants us to know, things that he knows will make us useful for his kingdom. So what kind of things can a mother teach us? And before I get to this point, I want you to understand one thing. We didn't all have godly mothers. We did not all have mothers who taught us about God or maybe mothers who were the best role models. But it doesn't mean we can't learn some of these things in the scripture about not just being a mother or the lack of the sake of being a mother, but what we can learn from these mothers about how we live our life as Christians. So I've been talked about three lessons mothers can teach their children. The first one is this. It's faith. It's faith. Now you might wonder, how can a... a a mother who's not godly teach me about faith. She really can, when you think about it. But let's focus on faith for a minute. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, Paul tells Timothy, I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois, and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. You see, Timothy's mother and his grandmother lived their faith so that Timothy wanted it also. And that faith that was built into him was so powerful that he stood out to Paul. And Paul wanted this young man to work beside him and become part of his team. And ultimately, Timothy became a great servant of God in the early church. 
Timothy was blessed to have a godly mother and grandmother. And not everyone has that blessing, unfortunately. So if not, there are some wonderful moms and grandmoms in this congregation that would gladly take their place. How do I know that? Because Titus chapter 2, verses 3 and 4 tells us that. The older women likewise that they be reverent in behavior, not slanders, not given to much wine, teacher of good things, that they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. You know what? That it really just jumps right off the page when I read that verse. Something that, that has over the years been looked upon as a bad thing, but it's not a bad thing. It's in the Word of God. And I'm sorry to be, that means it should be honored. And it's that very word. It says, homemakers. There's nothing wrong with a woman who wants to stay at home and take care of her husband and children. Not every woman has to work. And I'm not, I'm not in any way, shape, or form faulting the women who have jobs and work. Not at all. But over the years, the media and the entertainment world, and they want to look down on women who just stay home and be moms. You have your own special day. Tell me a day during the year where we sit aside and we, we say, Happy Media Day! You're the media business boy. We're just thrilled. Today's the day to honor you. No, we don't have that. We don't have a special day set aside to honor the politicians, do we? We have a special day set aside to honor mothers. Whether they work in a secular job or their home, we're probably working harder at home than they would be if they were on the secular job. They see the older women in the congregation are supposed to take care of the younger women. In other words, they take them under their wing and they teach them these things that he mentions here in the book of Titus. You know, one man wrote of this about his mother. He said, when I was a boy, my mom read to me every night at bedtime. And what did she read? Bible stories. I'm pretty sure she went through the same book several times during my childhood because one time she stumbled over one of those hard to pronounce Old Testament names. And because I heard the name so often, I helped her with the pronunciation. And she looked up at me in surprise and I looked back at her in surprise. It suddenly occurred to both of us that the only reason I knew how to pronounce that name was because my mom had been so faithful in sharing those Bible stories with me. And my mom was a godly mother. Not just because she read and shared God's word with me, but also because she shared her faith with me. She repeatedly told me about how God had acted in her life and in mine. For example, she often would remind me of what God did in my life when I was five years old. I had broken my leg sledding down a steep hill. And apparently, the break was serious and I was confined to a hospital bed. And my mom was so concerned that she brought in a woman she knew as well known for her power in prayer. And the woman prayed for me. From that day on, I began to de develop a powerful thirst for milk. I drank at every opportunity. In fact, I drank so much milk that the doctor finally restricted my intake. And my bones were healing at a remarkable rate. And I was soon able to go home. And that was just one of the stories she reminded me of. Because my mom believed in a powerful and loving God. And I believe in him too. Now, as I read that story, I was wondering, okay, 
How many people would think to pray for a child to start liking milk? That seemed rather odd. But in this case, it sure worked, didn't it? Sometimes I wonder if we, we try to come up with, when we are asked to pray for somebody for sickness or whatever, we might say, okay, how can I come up with the most like religious, Bible-based prayer I could ever come up with? When in all honesty, it might be that we just need the simplest prayer possible to pray. Lord, just help this boy to start liking milk. That sounds like a prayer mom would want to pray, right? See, a godly mother shares the Bible with her children. She shares her faith. A godly mother shares her morals with her children. And by telling her children what she expects from them, she's sharing her moral foundation. Now, this often drives teenagers nuts. <laughs> because their mothers often tell to do some things or not to do other things. But even when their mothers drive them nuts with those expectations, eventually those teens begin to internalize some of their mother's morals. And that's why I said what I said earlier. You know, you may have never had been given birth. But that doesn't mean you can't be a mom to somebody. And the things that you teach from your experiences enough can help someone along. Absolutely. Faith. Important lesson moms can teach us. Number two is honor. Even more than these things, a godly mother shows their children the power of prayer because a godly mom prays with her children and for her children. As I said with Abraham Lincoln, he said, I remember my mother's prayers. They've always followed me. They have clung to me all my life. This kind of mother deserves to be honored. This is the kind of mother to be respected. But there are times when children don't believe that. For instance, uh, some years ago, I read this story. Uh, if you may remember a problem a couple years ago when Kobe Bryant, at the time a great uh, Los Angeles Laker basketball player, he had a problem with his mom. Apparently Kobe offered to buy his mother a house so she could live near him and be able to attend his basketball game. But the house he wanted to buy her wasn't good enough for her mom, or for his mom, so she contacted an auction house to sell off some of the old things she said he hadn't wanted anymore. She apparently was going to be able to buy quite a bit more home for that, because the auction house appraised Kobe's belongings at $1.5 million and had already given her $450,000 advance. Well, Kobe wasn't happy. He didn't want her selling off his old things. He took her to court and sued her to stop her doing that. And guess what? He won the case. Now these are things he no longer wanted. He gave to his mom. It didn't stop him from suing his old mother. Now correct me if I'm wrong, but does that strike you as being a healthy mother-son relationship? Of course not. Kobe obviously thought his mom was in the wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's not the right way to honor your mother. But Kobe didn't think he needed to honor his mother. He didn't think she deserved to be honored. Now there are numerous sons and daughters who think the same way. They don't have to be teenagers to come to that conclusion. They can also be grown adults who've long since left home. They don't think mom deserves respect, so they don't give it. And she might not deserve respect. She might not be an honorable woman. And if she isn't, what do you think God would tell you to do with her? 
Well, here's the answer. God has only one thing to say about that. It was in his Ten Commandments, as I said earlier. It says this, Honor your father and mother as the Lord your God has commanded you so that you may live long and that it may go well with you in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Now, did you see anywhere in that command that God said, Honor your mother if she deserves it? No. He doesn't do it. He does not say honor your mama if she's doing everything she ought to do or that you want her to do. God simply says, honor your mother. In fact, Proverbs goes so far as to warn us in Proverbs 20.20. Whoever curses his father or his mother, his lamp will be put out in deep darkness. Now, when I read that verse, I can't help but think the time I was, I told you before, in the Lorraine Caverns, and you go all the way down as far as they'll let you go. And then they say, here's what it looks like uh, for the, when the lights are off. Click! <laughs> and they turn the lights off. Trust me. You can't see. You know the proverbial, you can't see your hand in front of your face? You can't. Honestly. You see nothing. The only thing, and everybody gets real quiet. The only thing that helped me is I'm holding Leonie's hand. So I knew somebody was there with me. And they're dripping from the stalactites from the ceiling as the water drips on the floor. And then the guy lights a very uh, little candle. <laughs> Hardly gives any light. He said, this is what it was like for the explorers when they first found this cavern. And then he turns the lights back on. But what's that have to do with this? I'll tell you. Because I can't help but think, when it says, you curse your mother and your father, your land will be put in deep darkness. I can't help but think, you're going to be in that cavern, and God's going to squelch your lamp. And where you're going to end up, it's going to be a good place. At least ten times in Proverbs, God warns His people not to curse or despise, or grieve their mothers. And never once does it say we should do that because they deserve it, because sometimes they don't. Sometimes we might have a mother who don't deserve to be honored. But guess what? We don't do it because they deserve it. We do it because God said so. That's why we honor our mothers and our fathers. And that leads into our final point. Forgiveness. Think about it. Romans 3.23 All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Now does that mean I've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God? Yes, it does. Does that mean the elders and deacons and and all preachers elsewhere have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Yes. How about the teachers? Have they fallen short of the glory of God? Absolutely. Does that mean my mother sinned and fell short of the glory of God? Yes, that's what it means. And sometimes mothers really sin and really fall short of the glory of God. Does God really expect someone to honor a woman like that? Yes, he does. Because 
not because they deserve it, as I said, but because they are a child of God. Because they're a child of God, we need to forgive them for their shortcomings. Just as God has forgiven us for our shortcomings. In Matthew 6, 14 and 15, it says, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. I read about a father who gave this advice to his son. My boy, treat everybody with politeness, even those who are rude to you. Remember, you show courtesy to others, not because they're nice people, but because you are. And God is telling us, you're doing this for me. You're not doing it for your parents because they deserve it. You're doing it because you belong to me and I ask you to. And it's important to God. In fact, it's so important to God, God gives us a promise if we obey. As I read earlier in Ephesians 6, 1-3, through 3, the promise, we're told this is the first command with a promise. And God said this to do this for me so that you may live long and that it may go well with you in the land the Lord your God is giving you. The command promises not just long life, but a successful life as well. Well, how does that work? Well, first, those who get along with their parents get along with others. If you get along well with your parents, you'll get along well with others. Your parents are your first social contact. They are the first and most prominent person in your lives. How you treat them will become the template of how you treat others. And if you see someone who has a hard time dealing with authority... I'll show you a son or daughter who had a hard time honoring and forgiving their parents. I've heard counselors ask one question of young couples wanting to get married. They'll ask the young lady, how does your boyfriend treat his mother? Then they'll ask the young man, how does your girlfriend treat her father? Now why do counselors ask those people that question? Because once the counselor knows how the young person treats their parents, they'll know how they're going to end up treating their fiancé. It's a learned behavior. They've practiced it so long that they just come by it naturally. I've known of women who argued all the time with their father. Once they got married, guess what? They argued all the time with their husband. I've known men who despised their mothers and spoke nasty things to them. And once they got married, guess what? They spoke the same way to their wives. If I don't learn how to honor and forgive my mother and my father, I will have a hard time in this world. In fact, I'll have a hard time just dealing with life itself. I never once saw my dad lay a hand in anger upon my mother. But one thing I did learn, my dad always said, boy, you never hit girls. You never hit girls. Even when Bambi Snyder in first grade would come up and kick me in the shin, I never hit back. Yeah, she liked me. I found that out later. Like, can't I just hit her and get it over with? No, you don't hit her. Learned that from my dad. Never have hit Leonie in anger. Yeah, three mothers were talking about how devoted their sons were to them. One bragged, my son is so devoted to me for my birthday, he gave me an all-expenses-paid cruise around the world. And the second boasted, that's nothing. Mine threw a huge catered affair for me and he flew in all my friends from the east. 
And the third woman smirked at them both. My son is the most devoted. Three times a week he goes to his therapist. $130 a session he pays. And what does he talk about the whole time? Me. <laughs> now the sadness of that is that it's too often true. What often passes for psychiatry plays on that reality and encourages people to blame their parents for the problems they have in their lives. But Proverbs tells us don't do that. It'll hurt you. Proverbs 30 verses 11 through 14 says, There's a generation that curses its father and does not bless its mother. There's a generation that is pure in its own eyes, yet is not washed from its filthiness. There's a generation, oh how lofty are their eyes, their eyelids are lifted up. There's a generation whose teeth are like swords, whose fangs are like knives, to devour the poor from off the earth and the needy from among men. In other words, cursing my parents, despising my parents, grieving my parents, will warp my personality. I'll turn, it'll turn you and I into people that are not pleasant to be around, and God doesn't want that for us. That's why at least ten times in Proverbs, God warns us not to despise or curse our parents. But let us say your mother doesn't deserve to be honored or forgiven. Let's say she has sinned terribly, fallen short of the glory of God. Did you realize that God may be calling you to be a missionary to your parents? Seriously, if as a Christian you find yourself being angry at your mom, it may be because they need Jesus. And Jesus, uh, the Jesus you belong to. And you may be the only Jesus they'll ever know. Or if you become a Christian later in life, didn't raise your children in Christ, you can be a missionary to them now. You can teach them about Christ. You can demonstrate your faith. Teach them honor and forgiveness. It's never too late. See, mothers are just like us. They need forgiveness too. They need the opportunity to realize something needs to change in their lives. And I want to close with this story from Irma Bombeck, where she shared how the actions of her three-year-old changed her life forever. She said, for the first four or five years after I had children, I considered motherhood a temporary condition, not a calling. It was a time of my life set aside for exhaustion and long hours. It would pass. Then one afternoon, with three kids in tow, I came out of a supermarket pushing a cart with four wheels that went in opposite directions when my toddler son got away from me. Just outside the door, he ran toward a machine holding bubblegum balls in a glass dome. In a voice that shattered glass, he shouted, Gimme, gimme! I told him I would give him what for if he didn't stop shouting and get in the car. And as I physically tried to pry his body from around the bubblegum machine, he pulled the entire thing over. Glass and balls of bubblegum went all over the parking lot. We had now attracted a sizable crowd. I told him he would never see a cartoon as long as he lived. If he didn't control his temper, he was going to be making license plates for the state. He tried to stifle his sobs as he looked around at the staring crowd, and then he did something that I was to remember for the rest of my life. In his helpless quest for comfort, he turned to the only one he trusted his emotions with, me. He threw his arms around my knees and held on for dear life. I had humiliated him, chastised him, and berated him, but I was still all he had 
That single incident defined my role. I was a major force in this child's life. In that one moment, Irma Bobbeck realized she'd come up short as a mother. She'd humiliated and chastised her son in front of a crowd of people and she felt ashamed. But in that one moment, her child did the one thing that changed her life forever. He clung to her and showed her that he loved her. And that's what God wants for our lives. Healing, change, and forgiveness. He modeled the kind of love that would bring that type of thing about in our lives. He didn't humiliate us. He didn't shame us. He threw his arms around us. He gave us his only begotten son that we would know how much he loved us. As I thought this morning, couldn't help but think the greatest role bother we have of a mother and a father is God. Now we call him father and rightfully so. We might think of it, maybe we don't think of him as all the things that he teaches about motherhood. But he does. Maybe that's why we can learn about faith from God. About honoring from God. And about forgiveness from God. Because really, when you think about it, God has done all those things for us, haven't we? For our knowing. For us learning. For us learning how to treat one another. Jesus was sent to demonstrate those things to us. And he died on a cross so that all our sins, as we talked about that we had and have, could be taken care of on the cross. See, Jesus did his part. Our part is to accept it by faith that that was done for us so that we could have our sins washed away. And by faith then we are to turn away from that sinful life to follow his ways. To allow that faith to cause us to confess the name of Jesus as Lord and Savior. Then our faith is to allow us to be baptized, to be immersed in the watery grave and to be raised to walk in a newness life where God has washed away our sins and filled us with the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus came for each and every one. Our hymn of invitation this morning is, I'll fly away. It's not in your hymnals. We're just going to do verses 1 and 2. Probably a very familiar song to you all. If you have a decision to make this morning, you come as we sing. I'm glad morning when this life is over. I'll fly away to a home on God's celestial shore. I'll fly away, I'll fly away, oh glory, I'll fly away. When I die, hallelujah, by and by, I'll fly away. When the shadows of this life have drawn, I'll fly away. Like a bird from prison bars has flown, I'll fly away. I'll 
fly away, oh Gloria, fly away. When I die, hallelujah, by and by, I'll fly away. <coughs> Heavenly Father, thank you for the time we've had to share together, fellowship and learn and pray, remembering your Son, giving our tithes and singing hymns of praise to you. We rejoice for these blessed days. And pray, Lord, that as we leave the place today, this joy that we feel right now will carry us through the week. It will also spread out and shine upon others that they might know why uh, we are so happy, why our joy is so full, because of your Son, Jesus Christ. So may we allow our love to surround them and that they might know your Son. Thank you, Lord. We pray you'll keep us safe as we leave this place today. May we rejoice, Lord, for all we have. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm so glad I am part of the family of God. Hi, Gary. Good. How are you? When I Join hands with Jesus as we share one. You know, this is working here, Mike.